It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 446 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, January 7th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network with team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd, Locked On NBA with David Locke, We've got uh, Locked on NFL. We've got Locked on NFL team focus shows. So if your team, if you're a Chicago Bears fan, for example, and you had the unfortunate misfortune, that's a thing, sure, of uh, having Cody Parkey miss that field goal at the end of the game and you want to hear all about the aftermath, make sure you're checking out Locked on Bears today. If you want to hear the happier side of that game, check out Locked on uh, whatever team beat the Bears. I think the, the Eagles, perhaps. I don't know. I, haven't, I didn't watch a second of football this weekend, and it was kind of nice. Um, but if you did watch football, you can check out the Locked on NFL shows, of course. Uh, if you find a show on the network, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. It's the best way to support the podcast. It's uh, very helpful for algorithms and rankings and making us more visible to new listeners and all that good stuff. So thank you very much for taking the small amount of time it requires to do that. And uh, let's get to today's show. Today I'm joined by our pal Vivek Jacob. What's going on, man? Nothing much. Just bouncing off these two back-to-back wins for the Raptors. Um, much needed. You know, you looked into going into that that double, that back-to-back off the San Antonio Spurs loss, and you were thinking, especially with the way that Bucks game started out, you were thinking the worst was coming. Um, but probably two of the most complete performances we've seen of the season. You know, mm-hmm. up there with you know those wins over Golden State and whatnot. But yeah, and now all of a sudden you're reminded of that team. Uh, that started out the season 20-4. and four. So all things are looking up again for the Raptors. Yeah, on the long list of uh, back-to-backs on which the Raptors have slapped both teams they've played, uh, this is probably right up there with the Clippers-Warriors one is the most impressive. And this one yeah. was maybe more necessary because of like the Eastern Conference standings being so jumbled at the top and tiebreaker implications with the Bucks in particular. Uh, they're now 2-0 and against the Pacers, which is big, uh, although I'm not sure the Pacers will end up being one of those top one or two teams. They might be, though. They're really good and annoying. Um, but they did not provide that much resistance last night. We will talk about the Raptors' 121-105 victory over the Pacers in, I think, the second segment. But first, Vivek, we have breaking news! Oh, man, it's my producing acumen coming in handy there. Breaking news! The Toronto Raptors have waived Lorenzo Brown. Uh, yeah, this is big news, of course. Um, this was the last day before uh, the Raptors could waive him before his contract would, would become guaranteed two days from now. Uh, he would have had to clear waivers over the course of the two days, yada, yada, yada. That's the boring minutia. Uh, the thing you need to know is there is no more Lorenzo Brown on the Raptors, and uh, there are 13 roster spots now spoken for with two open. Uh, 
they can only go two more weeks without having the 14th roster spot filled. I'm not sure exactly how long to take that. If you read Blake Murphy's piece on The Athletic today, he sort of hinted that maybe they'll just stake with 13 guys for the next couple weeks to sort of limit the tax bill because every day you have someone signed in that 14th or 15th spot uh, will add up at the end of the season with the tax bill, like $28,000 a day or something like that. Uh, all of it counts, obviously, with the Raptors being so deep into the tax to pay for this very expensive roster. Uh, but Vivek, what was your reaction to the news about Lorenzo Brown? Are you sad? Are you uh, just entirely apathetic? What was your reaction? Um, I mean, I guess sad for Lorenzo Brown. Mm-hmm. You always feel for someone that gets weight, but I think largely this was a largely expected move for me. Um, I didn't. You look at the depth that the Raptors have at point guard. Uh, it's not really a, an area of weakness for them, so uh, it's something that I expected. You look at uh, the key dates that are coming up with the way everything's playing out. Uh, you figured this was the most likely scenario, so now I look to see what happens with Chris Boucher if he gets converted to uh, a full NBA contract, um, and then the Raptors could potentially look at signing a new two-way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's something that'll be of interest. Uh, especially if Boucher can just uh, keep uh, showing up in those minutes and hitting threes and then doing the MJ shrug. So. <laughs> yeah, that was delightful. Um, and Boucher seems too good for the G League, and he's got enough sort of like interesting skills that I wouldn't mind seeing him once his 45 days are up, um, if the Raptors are kind of minding that, like them turning him into the 14th roster spot. Uh, we'll see, though. I think some people like looked at this move and said, oh, maybe there's a move coming. But like if you realize, right. there are moves all the time uh, on this day by a bunch of different teams. Michael Carter-Williams, uh, Ron Baker, a bunch of, <coughs> excuse me, a bunch of crap players um, that are not very useful getting uh, waived around the league. So it's just kind of the, the roster churns time of the season. Uh, and I don't expect there's like a trade coming or anything like that for the Raptors. Um, I would expect they'll probably take those two weeks because of the tax implications to fill that 14th spot. Let Boucher, yeah. you know, use up more of his days. Let Jonas Valanciunas get two weeks closer to returning. All that stuff before they make any sort of hard, fast decisions. Maybe someone becomes available um, because they got waived that they're kind of interested in keen on. That, that could change things too. But ultimately, I don't think this means all that much. You know, it's a little bit less of a security blanket if uh, one of Kyle Lowry or Fred Van Vliet or DeLon Wright goes down, I suppose. But... I feel like if you're relying on Lorenzo Brown to give you minutes with injuries, like you're probably in a pretty bad kind of way anyway, um, and it's probably not going to make all that much of a difference whether you have him or not, as opposed to just like playing, I don't know, Norman Powell is the point guard or whatever it is. Um, you know, it's not that much of a difference really to me. Uh, do you have any uh, standout memories of Lorenzo Brown before we move on to uh, things that are more relevant to the success of the Raptors today? Um. Well, I mean, this season uh, you can look at the, the the Dallas game. I think the uh, even the, even the Pacers game previously, where he honestly played good defense and helped turn around those games. Um, probably the less said about his offense, the better. But uh, I thought defensively he showed uh, that on other teams he could potentially be a fit. Um, you think of teams like the Suns. You think you think of teams like the Magic uh, that are bereft of point guards. They, he'd probably be a fit there. But yeah, most memorable. Uh, on the NBA floor, I'd probably say uh, the things he did in the Mavericks game this season, the uh, the Pacers game, but um, more than anything, probably the Raptors 905 yeah. from last season. Had some huge games, winning, obviously, G League MVP. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, they couldn't go back-to-back. They lost in the finals, but he was a big part uh, of getting there and getting 
honestly probably overachieving. You look at what Stackhouse had with that team. It was it was way less talent than uh, that Bruno-led team that went all the way. Uh, so, um, shouts to him for doing his thing with the 905 in Mississauga, and that's probably what I remember most. Yeah, I'll remember him for the dunk he tried to throw down, I think, against the Pacers in that game. That was uh, completely <laughs> misguided. That was fun, yeah. but it was at the end of a very good seven-minute run for him uh, where he was a plus eight. He was 0 of 1 from the field. Uh, he had three rebounds. He had uh, no steals, it looks like, if that's the game I'm referencing. Yeah, the, the December 19th against the Pacers where they made that fourth-quarter comeback. But, uh, yeah, shouts to Lorenzo Brown. I very interesting career, and I wonder how long it'll continue to be around in the NBA. I one of my weirdest memories of him is I attended a Raptors Wolves game back like before he was even credentialed, way back in the day. And uh, Lorenzo Brown was made it's like a last second emergency call up by the Wolves because everyone was hurt for them, and they called up Brown and he played in that game. He played like twenty minutes against the Raptors in that game that I was at, and he was notably not very good. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, for me, I only I attended one G League game. Uh, it was like the start of last season, and I was just taken aback by how James Hardeny he really was. Like we made that comparison, he's G League James Harden a lot, but that's really what he was. He was kind of the entire source of the 905's offense. I think the game I saw, he had like 27 with like nine boards and eight assists or something insane like that. Um, and that was pretty regular for him. So uh, I'm glad he got the chance to have the half season contract with the Raptors and. Uh, make a little bit of money at the NBA level. Obviously, he's not getting the full deal over the course of the year, but I'm glad that the Raptors sort of made good on the work he put in last year for the 905 and actually gave him an NBA deal this year. And hopefully, that's sort of a thing they can use as like a bit of a, a marketing tool to players to maybe come play for the 905 as opposed to other G League teams, right? Because, hey, like our A, our development system is obviously very good. We're good all the time, and we have lots of good players go on to good things. But if you also do this thing on the, on the G League level, maybe even if you're not really an NBA player or in our long-term plans, like we'll still rub your back and give you the money that you've earned while playing in the G League for a year. So that was nice to see, and uh, all the best to Lorenzo Brown. Going forward, I suppose, we will move on and talk about the Raptors game against the Pacers in just a second. But first, I want to remind everybody to check out the Locked On Podcast Network on Twitter and Instagram. It's uh, at Locked On NBA Net and at Locked On NFL Net, both the handles on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, it's great. If you want to go and follow that account, it replaces the need to follow all seven bazillion hosts on the network. Keeps your clean your feed nice and clean. Everyone is getting retweeted. Their fresh podcasts, their uh, fresh hot takes on certain uh, developments throughout the season. Uh, great during live games. Great during breaking news things. So follow the Locked on NBA Net and at Locked on NFL Net Twitter accounts for that. And on Instagram, we're posting little snippets of podcasts. 50 you know, 15, 30, 60 seconds uh, clips from each podcast, the biggest stories of the day. And if you want to listen to the full podcast, great. If not, you have yourself a little condensed take with some nice video edited around it as well to liven up your Twitter feed uh, and juxtapose it next to all of your uh, your friends who are showing off how happy they are all the time. Um, so make sure you're checking out the Locked On NBA Net and at Locked On NFL Net Twitter and Instagram accounts. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. 
All right, uh, Raptors beat the Pacers 121-105 in the second night of a back-to-back on Sunday in Toronto. I guess we can start with Kyle Lowry, who returned in this one. Uh, not like an amazing across-the-board line from him. 12 points, 8 assists, 3 steals, 3 boards, a block, uh, 4 of 10 shooting, 2 of 6 from deep. But like this felt like a very Kyle Lowry game, and you could kind of sense the difference in the way the Raptors play when he's in there. Obviously, no Kawhi Leonard in there for this one, and we've seen the sort of Kyle without Kawhi you know, formula work for a lot of games so far this season, in particular those Clippers and Warriors games we mentioned earlier on. But uh, what was your sense of Kyle Lowry's return? And, like, I don't know. I thought he was fantastic. What did you think? Yeah, I thought he was great. I think you saw everything that you wanted to see from Kyle, you know, drawing the charges. I know some people were sort of like, oh, you just came back. Maybe you shouldn't be drawing those charges. Um, but again, we said this before, when Kyle's on the floor, he's going to play one way. Um, and that's what makes Kyle great, and that's what makes Kyle who he is. Uh, and I think more than anything, I'm happy to see him sort of take his shots in the offense, look to... Uh, obviously, he's going to facilitate and keep the Raptors in a flow, but I think when he's aggressive, like you saw in this game, when you saw... I mean, we've seen it in general... Uh, outside of that shooting slump that he went through, that you know he's taking his shots at the right time, um, and then you look at the playmaking that he has now. Uh, I, I thought that that combination of him and Siakam was lethal. Um, you, you you just see Ibaka's comfort level just go up a notch when Lowry's out there on the floor. So he just has a direct impact on everyone that's out there. And yeah, that offense just looks in such a flow when he's around. And then the defense, I think they just thrive off. His communication, his energy, um, and just trusting him to be in spots that uh, you know you just don't expect from the other guys. So mm-hmm. uh, he he helps in his own way uh, in so many ways, and you you saw his imprint all over the game. Yeah, he was really really great, um, and it was nice to see him like eagerly looking to take shots as well. He you know took ten shots in the game, and it was a very balanced effort from the Raptors on on the whole. Um, there was no one player who took a million shots. Actually, the two leaders in field goal attempts were off the bench, Norman Powell and Greg Monroe. Um, we'll get to Powell in a sec. But it was uh, like eight guys in double-digit scoring. It was just a very balanced effort across the board. And you know, for Kyle to be in that upper echelon of the guys with field goal attempts, like it's a very you know rudimentary stat. But that's been a thing that's kind of bothered me with Kyle this season. Is he's not looked for a shot quite as often yep. as he's maybe hoping. Like him looking for a shot and quickly firing on threes. Like he had a pretty quick trigger last night. I, I thought even when he was maybe a little bit contested. Like that's fine, man. I don't care. He can make those. And it's it just opens up the entire offense and the entire floor for the team when he's you know actively being a threat that teams have to account for as to someone who maybe is going to you know pass up on looks when they're there for him. Also, uh, he hey, looks... who knows? There might be something on the athletics soon from me Ooh, about that. Interesting, nice little tease there, buddy. Um, also. Him and the bench, really goddamn good together. Uh, shocker, because uh, that's never worked before. Uh, last night, Kyle with Greg Monroe, DeLon Wright, Norm Powell, OG Ananobi. 12 minutes played, 112 offensive rating, 80.8 defensive rating, a 31.2 net rating. Obviously a teensy-weensy sample, but 12 minutes is not nothing, and they completely blitzed the Pacers when they, when they were out there. Um, and obviously everyone looked pretty good alongside him. I mean, OG had a rough game, his shooting, whatever, but uh, Powell was great. Monroe looked better than he did against the Bucks, which is not to say much because he was awful against the Bucks, but uh, better nonetheless. And then DeLon Wright looked great too, 2-2 two two from deep, 10 points, uh, had six assists as well, kind of quietly. And it all just kind of looked a little bit better with Kyle at the head of that second unit. 
And I talked about this on the solo podcast I did on Sunday. I'm wondering what your opinion on it is, though. Uh, we have a pretty big sample now because of all the time Kyle's missed. We have like 160 or so minutes of the starting lineup with Fred Van Vliet in there, and it's been very good. It's like a plus 13 net rating, and it's got like 120 offensive rating. Like they, The offense has maybe looked a little bit sticky, and the assist rate's definitely lower than some of the other lineups the Raptors have, but it's been pretty damn good. Um, I'm wondering, with the return of Kyle and the way we saw him sort of subbed out early last night, uh, in, you know, Fred started with Kawhi out, but I think in, in a normal situation, uh, we're not going to see Fred start, but uh, maybe subbing Fred, Fred in around the six-minute mark of the first quarter or something like that and bringing Larry out to have him come in in the second quarter and fourth quarter with the bench, uh, I think that's probably the way forward to fix the bench problems. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. Um... You know, obviously, uh, nurses looked to stagger some of those bench minutes with Siakam and Danny Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've seen some of that. We haven't necessarily seen it be successful. So uh, I think Lowry is someone that just uh, brings the elements that that bench unit needs. Um, obviously, theoretically, when you're looking at Danny Green coming in with that unit, he's obviously looking to get the shooting that he hasn't been able to get uh, out of CJ Miles. Um, with Siakam, he's looking for the ball handler. Um that he doesn't necessarily have when Fred is starting uh, to complement DeLon Wright. So with Kyle, you, you sort of get uh, both those pieces now, and then the, the flow is there again. So I think that is something that you have to prioritize just to, uh, you know, Nurse has talked about this realistically. There's probably not a way to play a great uh, 48 minutes but it's about maximizing and getting as close to the 48 as possible, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think uh, that's definitely one way to do it, get Kyle in there and then, you know, have Kawhi uh, at least come playoff time uh, stagger a bit more because you imagine his minutes load will be a lot heavier then. Um, and I think someone who might start to be the odd man out is DeLon Wright, mm-hmm. which I think you alluded to uh, on our last podcast. Yeah, it pains me to say that. I don't like it because um, I love DeLon Wright with every fiber of my being. But like last night was a bit of a deviation because he's been mostly pretty disappointing of late. Yeah. And yeah, I think if you have Lowry kind of sub, once uh, you assume Valentinus is back, you sub Lowry in there. Like a Lowry, uh, Norm, what's the bench you need to be looking at, I suppose? Like Lowry, Norm, uh Maybe DeLon's right. in there sometimes, but, like, you have... Am I forgetting a player on this team? My brain hurts right now. What? Have, well, Fred, Fred would be in there again, right? I guess, yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. sorry, yeah, my, my mistake there. Um, right. Yeah, so, yeah, DeLon really does seem like kind of the dude who, you know, might be the next on the list of CJ Miles Memorial uh, DNP CDs. <laughs> um, I feel yeah. bad for Miles, but the way Powell's played, I just like there's no way I don't I, I think you're seeing Miles get his job back anytime soon. And it's funny, someone made the point last night. Uh, I think it was uh, at Hoser Mess on Twitter. Got back to me. I was like, "What the hell was Norm up to while he was out <laughs> before he came back and was amazing again?" And uh, he's like, he realized that they can't play Miles over him anymore, so he feels free and unburdened. And I was like, you know, that's not like the worst theory in the world. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, maybe you're onto something there because Norms look fantastic, man. Like ten to twelve last night, twenty three points plus fifteen, um, looked really good in that bench unit. Had a dunk against the Pacers, which I'm sure brought PTSD back uh, on the break. Um, he's always very good against Indiana, which is nice. I, I saw a joke last night that he's Gerald Henderson to Indiana. He is to Indiana what Gerald Henderson was to the Raptors. Um, yeah. It's not entirely off base. Uh, 
Is Norm like by the end of the year gonna be considered like the sixth man on the Raptors? Like it's kind of gotten with the way the bench has kind of fallen off a little bit and the way he's played so well, like and the way he's kind of able to provide offense, you know, obviously he was scoreless against Milwaukee, but he had the four assists, thankfully, to kind of provide some semblance of production for the for the second unit. Like, I, I don't think it's, like, out of the question for him to just be, like, the instant offense dude off the bench and, like, maybe thrive in that role. It's weird how quickly it's changed with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd imagine the most valuable bench piece will be Fred uh, come the playoffs just because, you know, I, I could see scenarios where he's in there closing as well. Um, but Norm will be right up there. I think the most impressive thing for me since he's come back is his use of the hop step. Um, you know, before we saw, we saw like last season, we saw him just drive a ton uh, without control uh, and sort of struggle to finish at the rim. He didn't really have the right balance, and now he's using the hop step a lot more, mm-hmm. which I think going up off two feet, I think, is just allowing him to sort of take his time and be a lot more uh, centered as he looks to finish. Uh, so I think that's helping him, and then even his rhythm on his jump repair, like the one that he took off the dribble in the corner, uh, right in front of the Raptors bench. Um, I think that just tells you that he's extremely confident uh, mm-hmm. uh, in his skills right now. So um, yeah, it's really exciting to see what he's able to do offensively. Obviously, um, he's not the guy you usually associate with scoring twenty three points on just twelve twelve shots. Yeah, um, that's not going to be the norm. Um, Nice but, pun. Nice pun. Uh, Good job. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, that aggressiveness—that's what you want to see, right? And if he can keep doing that, if he can keep delivering that, you know, I think there are some Raptors fans would be like, "Oh, it'd be nice to have that guy uh, that can come in and just sort of take over when you need, uh, like a Lou Williams or whatever." Um, and if Norm can sort of be the guy to sort of take the reins when the bench unit doesn't have much going. Uh, then I think it makes things that much easier. Like he's just a lot more comfortable being the primary ball handler when, you know, say someone else is just playing off ball. Mm-hmm. I, I've really had a hard time pinning down what Norm's best at, to be honest. Like, because there was a time where it seemed like he was the best as like the dude who it would swing to on the weak side. Like I think back to that Buck series, for example, when he got put in the starting five, and then it was like, oh yeah, now this guy is on the weak side when the ball comes to him, he's making stuff happen and is able to take those threes. And you remember, I'll remember the game forever, game four or game five, game four against the Pacers or the Bucks, sorry, where he was like three of three from deep and like kind of saved that series with that game and they kind of solved it. Um, and then sometimes he looks better with the ball in his hands and sort of as the, the go-to creator. And I just, I think he's good at all that stuff is the thing. It's just, he's never really strung it all together and it's still kind of hard to pin down the best role for him. And like, in fairness to him, he's never really had a consistent role during his yeah. entire time with the team, it's always fluctuated. It's always been, you know, he's coming off the bench when he first starts, or he's, you know, coming in to play for Damari Carroll when he's hurt, uh, or when he's sitting out the second out of back-to-backs and starting and then coming off the bench, uh, or he's coming in and playing the three minutes at the end of the quarter, uh, end of the second quarter, and if he doesn't do something in there, he doesn't play the rest of the game. Like, it's been very up and down, and he, maybe more than anyone else, has been a victim of the Raptors' depth uh, through no real fault of his own. Obviously, he's had his injury issues as well, but... Um, I'm glad, I'm really glad to see it's coming together for him over the last couple weeks here. And obviously it's still early in this run and we'll see if he can kind of, you know, sustain it for a long term. But uh, it's not just a big thing for this season as the Raptors bench has struggled and has looked for some sort of source of reliable, consistent offense. Like it's also, you know, very, very necessary and important for the next few years because he's paid, like he's already been paid and they're, they're, they're married to him for the next four years. 
And mm-hmm. if he's going to play the way he has over the last couple of weeks, like that might end up being like a value contract. If it's, you know, if he's playing like he has over the course of most of the last couple of years, then it's, you know, or the, most of last year, or this year at least, like then it's not a value contract whatsoever and it becomes kind of a problem. And I, I would imagine it'll sort of level out to somewhere in between where he's just kind of an, a, a, you know, playing at a market value contract for what he does. But, um, you know, even if he just does that, it's it's hugely valuable because you're not looking at an Albatross contract that you have to sort of sort of like try to move by attaching assets to or something like that the way they might have to do that with C.J. Miles right now. You know, Miles obviously has the player option for next year. I can't imagine he's not going to pick that up right now. Um, so, you know, to have both of those guys be on deals and have like 18 million bucks absorbed in two guys who aren't giving you much would be a real problem. But if Powell can kind of replace what we thought Miles was going to be and then also add some defense into the mix, then maybe you're looking okay and you're kind of coming out just like kind of even um, with a little bit more upside in the, in the form of Norm and like a little bit more importance because he's around for two years beyond what, what Miles would be or three years beyond that. So um, it's, uh, it's a very important and nice development to see. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's weird how this bench has kind of evolved, man. I Like, it's... Like considering what it was last year, obviously you trade Pirtle and Siakam starts, and um, I, I don't think Siakam was expected to be as good as he's been. Obviously, he puts up a career high on Saturday, which we barely touched on, but um, like you know, I think the bench has not really taken the shape that I think Nick Nurse thought it would. Obviously, with the injuries to uh, Kyle and Kawhi and Dewan and, and Fred at the start of the year, it's kind of thrown everything out of whack. If you had to guess what like the the, the full rotation is for the rest of the season because Nurse has kind of pared it down to nine. And I would imagine he's going to try to continue to do that because Lowry with the bench kind of makes more sense. If you had to guess what the nine man is going to be from here to the end of the year uh, on most nights, you know, assuming health and all that stuff, let's assume Balanchunas is back. Like, what do you think that nine is right now? Is Wright just totally out of it? Um. Yeah, he might be. So, okay, so we're looking at... Um, the starting lineup of Lowry, Danny Green, Kawhi, Siakam, Ibaka. Yeah. We have that. I've, then we had Valanciunas returns, so mm-hmm. he's six. You got Fred Van Vliet, seven. Uh, you got Norman Powell, eight. You got OG, nine. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. And then, so DeLon's fighting for minutes there. I mean, OG's fighting too. Yeah. Uh, that's, so, a, that's, a, uh, that's a slept on one, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think, I, yeah, I think those two guys, it's just going to be entirely dependent on the matchup um, and what the Raptors need in certain situations. Uh, you know, you, you could see a, a game like the Pacers where, you know, they play a lot of uh, that two-guard ball between, you know, uh, you're going from Collison and Old Depot to Corey Joseph and Old Depot or Corey Joseph and Collison. So um, that's a scenario where DeLon might get more minutes, but then you look at someone uh, with, with like a Boston Celtics with all the wings that they have, so OG probably factors in more there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so yeah, I, th- I think with those two guys, it's probably going to be entirely matchup dependent come playoff time. Yeah, it's uh, strange how these things. It's like coming into the year, I would have assumed OG would start at least half the games, 
And right. I would have assumed Alon would be like what he was last year, just like an awesome bench piece. Um, we don't do shit all about anything, so <laughs> I think that's probably the takeaway here. Uh, <laughs> do you have any uh, other thoughts, stray uh, tangents in your brain about uh, the weekend that just happened, the week to come before we wrap this thing up? Uh, I mean, <clears throat> the only thing I will say about the Pacers is uh, I think Miles Turner missing for them is a huge factor. Yeah. Uh, especially how good he's been defensively for them. Um, you know, if, if defense was valued the way it should be, he'd probably be right there in the most improved candidates um, just because his turnaround defensively, like he couldn't guard in the pick and roll at all last year. Yeah. Um, and so now to see what he's doing on the defensive end, um, I think he's still the league leader in uh, uh, block shots. So um, that was a big factor missing. You're probably not going to drop 121 on them. Uh, if he's around, and I thought that made things easier for the Raptors in terms of attacking the paint. Um, so, yeah, we, I, I would just say we didn't necessarily get a full dose of the Pacers, but we didn't get a full dose of the Raptors either without Kawhi. So. Yeah. Given, <laughs> given how the Raptors have pulled through what was the hardest part of their schedule, um, and, and I'll include the last little bit, because this past week was pretty tough with Utah and then the Spurs and then the, the weekend back-to-back with Milwaukee and Indy, um, I think they're 10-8 and eight over the last 18 games. Obviously, Kyle and Kawhi pretty much out for one of those the entire time. Uh, they haven't played together yeah. in over a month at this point. Um, considering what you've seen from Milwaukee and Indiana and Philly, I guess, now that Jimmy Butler is already mad at Brett Brown um, and the Celtics, like, I, I feel like we both were pretty keen on the Raptors being the clear number one team in the East, like, say, the end of November. Do you still believe that, or has like the last month and a half changed your opinion? I mean, I think the Raptors at their best uh, are, are are the best team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think more than anything, it's it's that that Kyle's aggressiveness when Kawhi is around, um, and when his shot isn't like you know just flaming. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's something that I still wanted to see. Um, so I, I still think the Celtics are going to be a problem. Um, it, it, out, of, out of those other teams, between the Bucks, Pacers, Sixers, and Celtics, I would still say the Celtics present a big problem. Um, and then I, and then I'd put the Bucks right there. Uh, the reason being, I I just don't buy yet that Brook Lopez is going to be this guy in the playoffs. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I thought the Raptors did a great job of shutting him down, which was a big part of the win over the Bucks. Um, they held him to single, single digits. Um, and Ibaka totally dominated that matchup. So um, I'm pretty confident in, you know, the Bucks seem pretty happy to uh, let Ibaka be a scorer and sort of let that be the one matchup that they concede. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty confident in his ability to continue to dominate that matchup. He's done it three out of three games so far. Uh, so uh, that might be something that they might have to change tactically. Um, or they might not because they won two out of the three. So, uh, uh so, yeah, even though they've won two out of the three, I still consider the Celtics the biggest threat um, once they get it going. I think I think things have turned around for them since they got Marcus Morris into the starting lineup and Jalen Brown went to the bench. Um, hopefully, you know, Kyrie gets his two eyes back to go along with his third one. So. <laughs> uh, and then we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I... The Bucks freak me out a little bit. Um, their, like, point differential is so absurd that... It's kind of, like, it's stuck in my brain. Like, how can they, like, they're so much better than everybody else right now, and I'm not sure how real it is or whatever, but, like, 
They're obviously doing something right. And Giannis... They play the map extremely well. Yeah, they do. And, like, they... Like, the Giannis and Shooters thing was just always going to work. And even if Brooke Lopez doesn't quite hack it, like, I'm sure there will be a Thon Maker game or four in a Raptors series, potentially, um, if that were to happen. Because, of course, that's always what happens when he plays the Raptors. Uh, I, like... I know everyone's like, oh, it's going to happen for the Celtics. It's going to happen for the Celtics. I do kind of think their turnaround really coincided with, like, a really creamy part of the schedule. And I'd rather – like, I'm so looking forward to the next Raptors-Celtics game. I think it's on the 18th uh, or the 16th, um, just, like, over – over under two weeks from now or just over two – whatever the math is that. I don't know when the hell it is. Anyway. Yeah, it is on the 16th. <laughs> yeah, so, like, a week and a half from now. Um, I'm really looking forward to that game just to kind of see how both teams have kind of – brought themselves up to date obviously the Raptors probably won't have Jonas for that one he's still out for a little while yet but um and Jonas has always been kind of useful in that Celtics matchup for the most part but uh I I, that's going to be kind of a a good sort of you know meter stick game for is that the word I'm looking for barometer that's the word yeah whatever the meter stick fuck's going on with my brain um but (laughs) it'd be a good barometer of I think where the Celtics are at and like how they match up with the Raptors um because that's not ever a matchup that they've like excelled in the 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 celtics like it's been close the last couple years but like there are ways in which both teams kind of exploit the other and i just wonder if the raptors have fewer holes to exploit and just like ultimately having the best player is also pretty handy and Kawhi i think is pretty decidedly the best player in that series right now and i think siakam the way he's been so much better this year has kind of you know jumbled up sort of the rankings as well that you would have like going into the season. I think a lot of people were like, yeah, Kawhi is the best player of the two teams, but then the Celtics have like the next four or five, which I think is just wrong and not not even close to being accurate because Kyle at his best is closer to Kyrie than he is to I think anyone else on the Celtics really. Yeah. Um, you know when he's at his best, which has not been the yeah. entire season, of course. And then Siakam is like right in that mix too. So the sort of the scale seemed a little bit more it, balanced talents wise, talent wise. And, I mean, you got to put Ibaka in that list, too, right? With the yeah. Way he's, played he's been so, absurd, man. Like, it's, the, yeah. eventually the Bucks have to, like, stop letting him take mid-range shots, right? <laughs> like, eventually that's not good coaching if you're just, like, allowing that to happen every single time. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll see. Uh, again, like, they've won two out of the three playing that way, so mm-hmm. they might think that this was just a one-off. And, you know, I, I think essentially that game... Uh, that the Raptors one came down to that was a 19 to two run between the second and third quarter um, where they really stepped up the defense and everyone was making shots. And yeah, when you, when you have Fred Van Vliet and Siakam combining for eight, three pointers, it's that's, that's probably something you don't really game plan for. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it, it might take one more outing for them to see it and maybe say, Hey, this is a problem. He's averaging, you know, what is it? 23, 24 against us now. <laughs> Um, so we'll see. Um, it's going to be interesting with with that team. Obviously, Budenholzer will have the strategy down, ready to go. Um, but I like the way Nick Nurse has been able to counter a lot of the stuff that he's seen so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good weekend for Nick Nurse, I think, after a kind of rough game against the Spurs. Um, yeah, we can leave that for another time. Uh, we have so much to talk about this week, and only two games really. There's the Hawks game and the net the Nets. So we'll have to fill some time somehow maybe i'll do a podcast about all-star voting because that's always fun and everyone cares about that way too much um <laughs> but uh yeah, I, no, I, I was gonna do like my uh half season review mm-hmm. um and obviously we're already beyond half a season but i just figured it'd be better 
you know, between the Atlanta game and the Nets game, just because I don't know how significant that Atlanta game is going to be outside of saying maybe goodbye to Vince. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Read yeah. Josh Lewenberg's thing today, by the way, on TSN. It's fun. Yeah, that is cool. And also read David Singh's uh, feature on him becoming a mentor at SportsCenter. Right on. That was great. Just plugging everybody today. Um, also, uh, we should probably do a podcast coming up because it is the halfway point of the season that I didn't even realize. We should check in our preseason prop bets and see who's going to win. Yes. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll we'll wrangle together Sahal for that at some point. Maybe we'll do that later this week. Actually. So uh, that's it, I think, for today's show. Vivek, do you have anything you want to plug that isn't by somebody else? Um. Well, I already plugged that story that'll be coming sooner for the Athletic. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the importance of his scoring. Uh, already plugged that half-season review that'll be coming. Um, that'll probably be for Raptors Republic. And besides that, you can just follow me on Twitter at Vivicum Jacob for anything else that comes along. Right on. You can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on iTunes as always. It's very, very appreciated. Uh, I'm bringing back, now that the holidays are over and I've decided to do some more work again, I'm bringing back what didn't suck after Raptors losses. Most Raptors losses. Maybe not everyone, but most. Um, but now they're in a run where maybe they won't lose that many games now because they have Kyle and Kawhi back. That'd be nice. Um, so uh, what didn't suck after Raptors losses on Raptors HQ. Some review uh, previews and recaps and all that stuff as well. I'm not covering a game to like the 22nd against the, the Kings just because my schedule's weird, but um, I'll be you know doing the doing the thing either way. If uh, you are interested, you can also listen to my radio show every Tuesday night from seven to eight on TSN 1150 called Hamilton is Hoops. Uh, it's, we, we do a lot of Raptors talk on there, also some local Hamilton basketball stuff. Uh, our return is tonight on, or sorry, tomorrow night, Tuesday the eighth on TSN 1150 from seven to seven thirty. We're teeing up the Raptors game, uh, but otherwise it is from seven to eight. So please. Uh, tune in for that and listen to the podcast on the internet and all that good stuff. And uh, thank you so much for all the support. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.